with an air can blow. You're really supposed to stand by, waiting just to say hi. Did you stop? No, I just drove by. Yeah, so Pursuing to the next stop. Hello, everybody! You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. I'm Jason Cavallari. And we are here at Gen Con 2019. That's the year. It's not the 2019th Gen Con. No. Uh, <laughs> it's we- like, what, 50... 50- Two uh, 52, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, we are on day two of recording, okay? It is actually day three right now. We could not record last night. It got too late. Um, but this is our day two podcast. We're going to be recording about all the wonderful stuff we did yesterday. Uh, so buckle in and get ready for that. Jason. Yo. All right. We started yesterday with an appointment at Direwolf where we got to take a look at the digital adaptation of Yellow and Yangtze. Yep. Are we pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Okay. It's a Rainer Kinesia game from All right. the last year, I think. Yeah, yeah. The The board game came out a year or two ago, and they have adapted it into a digital a digital version. What'd you think? Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, the thing is that they, they've done this with several different board games, so I saw, like, oh, what was it? It's like Raiders of the North Sea. Yeah, Raiders, Raiders of the, of the North, North Sea. Sea. I actually have that. I started poking at it. Oh, yeah, that's it. right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they sent me a code for it, and I started looking at it, and um, it looks like a real good adaptation of that game. I've never actually played it. I've taken a look at it before, um, but it's very vibrant. Um, you know, like, the interface works really, really well. It does a good job of, like, explaining all the information to you. Um, so I'm looking forward to digging into that a little further. I think if you're a fan of that game, you're probably going to like the app. Um, but Yellow and Yangtze looked like a, a, another real good adaptation in that Thing. Yeah, it was really, really pretty. Um, one of the things in the board game is like as you construct your little area, um, you know, your buildings like upgrade and stuff. And the way that they rendered that in the digital adaptation is really cool. Um, you know, the the buildings get much like they get taller and grander and mm-hmm. shinier and whatever else. Um, I guess the company has sort of taken it upon themselves to like they're primarily a video game company, but they said that they're you know just gamers generally and they like board games and they wanted a way to sort of uh really translate uh board games very well into a digital format and while we were there we also took a look at game of thrones oathbreaker which is a social deduction game using the game of thrones theme or license this is the hbo show this is in the books so i think like fantasy flight has like you know the license on the book property uh, so oh, okay. they must have gotten it for the HBO show because I was totally looking at the uh, Arya Stark off my HBO channel when we were looking in that. Uh, she was <laughs> yeah, there, there ready was, to murder was, people like, on her little card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you want to talk about that? Uh, sure. So um, we weren't actually able to play the game because um, it's <clears throat> I guess, apparently it's kind of hard to do um, if there's only like two or three of you. Well, also it was a show floor, which like social deduction is kind of difficult to do on a uh, crowded, yeah, loud show floor. So, um, But the, the representative, uh, Matt, yep. <laughs> uh, he was very gracious in answering all our questions and giving us a really sort of in-depth just, uh, description of the game. Um, so essentially there's, there's somebody who is the, the king or queen of Westeros, Mm -hmm. um, and then everybody else are lords and ladies. And then there's also, they're also grouped into conspirators and loyalists. Yeah. Um, and, or it's, I think it's chaos and order or something like that. Mm, I think it was like conspirators. I think that was one of the, the, you know, like the, the traitor sort of like group or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And then you, th there's like different tasks that you can kind of do, like quests, basically, uh, sort of along the lines of Shadows over the over Camelot. Yeah, I, I was thinking like um, almost like Avalon or whatever, yeah. where like you're kind of like contributing. Actually, you know what? The way he was describing it, it sounded a lot like Border um, Battlestar Galactica, because like you know you right. can put cards in that um, count towards success, but if you're uh, uh, you know like a conspirator, you can put cards in that count towards failure, right? Right. Like you know like cards that don't match the suit or whatever is kind of what it sounded like. So <clears throat> like that's that's sort of like the the main mechanic he described for determining whether or not people are loyal or unloyal to the king. Right. Um, uh, but, you know, one thing that he mentioned that I thought was really cool is that there's no player elimination in this game. Right. So, you know, if you suspect that somebody is a conspirator, you suspect, suspect that somebody is a loyalist, it's not always in your best interest to out them in this game, he was saying. Uh, because they're not going to be eliminated, and they're just basically, like, sort of free to do whatever they want and just, you know, like, trash shop if that's the thing that they're going to do. Right, whereas if they're hidden, they need to still kind of, like modify their actions so they're not like extremely obvious yeah leave some plausibility that they aren't what you think they might right, be yeah. you know like the other thing that's kind of cool is that it's not uh so in most other deduction games like the goal is to like root out the bad guy but in this one it's it it doesn't work that way it's basically point based yeah so whichever yeah. side has the most <clears throat> points at the end yeah is the winner yeah so i mean like it looked more like an actual board game to me than a lot of other social deduction games yeah. do um because we're keeping score because like the you know like the success and failure isn't just like you know like a uh a binary thing because you know like in, in in a lot of social deduction games like you kill off the last you know uh loyalist you kill off enough uh conspirators and, and you win the game right there's like a pass fail condition with this game it is point based so like you know it, i feel like there's going to be uh opportunities for there to be more of a race in this game um, you know, it's got a nice board and everything. It's got nice, uh, like, sort of, like, player plaques that you look at, and you've got, like, a different abilities and, and stats and stuff like that for the characters that you're playing as. Right. Um, so it looks really interesting. I'd really like to try it out. I mean, it's too bad that we don't have an opportunity right now, but I, I think the game is out, correct? I think it is. Yeah, I think they released it. Uh, here at the show, I didn't see any copies, but like in their booth, I didn't really see any copies of anything. So right, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I did see one wrapped copy, maybe like you know, crossing over a, a desk there. But so, right. so that was Oathbreaker. Uh, that was Game of Thrones Oathbreaker. Yeah. All right. All right. So the next game we're going to talk about is we did a couple of demos just uh, on the fly in yep. the in the show floor. One of them was a newish, newish Euro game um, called Hadara. Mm -hmm. um, it was pitched to us as sort of a, a game for people that like civ building games, um, but don't really want to spend like two to three hours playing a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he, he describes it as a light to medium civ building Euro. Um, which playing the game, I mean, it felt more on the medium side to me than the light side. A little bit, yeah. There was a lot of uh, moving parts. Um, describing it is kind of difficult, you know. Like there's sort yeah. of like a like a, a pentagonal board, I believe, like yep. in the middle with um, like five different colors and five different stacks of cards of those colors yep. in the middle, and each one kind of corresponds to um, one of these tracks that you have. Um, it can be like you know like a wealth track, like your income track, yeah. um, like, like sort a, of like a military track, like a culture track, yeah, or, culture yeah. track, uh, food, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe there was only four tracks. Why was there? No, I think there's, there there's five? five. Was there five? Yeah, but I don't remember what they all are. Uh, Mil uh, yeah, population or something? Something. Oh, there was the purple one, which was yeah. sort of like a wild card. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so like, and you draft these cards as you go around. Um, and, and, like, sort of pay a cost in order to take them, right? Like, you've got a certain amount of money. Um, your faction or whatever, like, has a certain amount of money. And we had, like, certain, like, different 
different amounts of money that we started out with, didn't we? Or no, uh, it was just like different am- uh, amounts of like um, maybe it was just the cards that we took. Yeah, yeah. Like the the cards are different like values. So. Yeah. Okay. We just started with eight gold, eight gold or whatever. But anyway, you spend your money, you draft these cards, and then each one of those corresponds to some of those tracks, which you then raise, and then you use your power in those tracks to do certain other things, like feeding your population. And your population is equivalent to the number of cards that you've drafted, so you can't draft too many cards if you don't have the money to actually pay for them. Um, there's you, a, like conquering territories. Yeah, there's a there's a phase where you conquer these like tiles that count as yeah. territories, and then you can vict- either like integrate them into your civilization or just obliterate them for the resources. Yeah, and the victory <laughs> points and everything. Yeah. they're worth a couple of victory points, but like there's a chance that they'll be worth something more if you integrate them, but you don't know what it's going to be on. You you flip the tile over when you integrate it into your society, but yeah. you don't know what's going to be on the back, so they're all kind of randomized. Right. And so it might be worth it to spend the extra resources to do that, but it might not really be worth it. So um, <laughs> at our table. Nobody did it. No, we, we all just we all well, just, we were all hard up for cash, so we were yeah. like, just give us the money. Yeah, and then as you're drafting these cards, they go into a discard pile, um, you know, like face down or face up, right? And then there will be yeah. subsequent drafting rounds where you then draft from the face up pile. Right. So, like, sometimes when you're drafting, you don't know what you're getting, and sometimes when you're drafting, you know exactly what you're getting. Right, yeah. Um, which is kind of an interesting mechanic. I hadn't seen that in, in other games quite like this um, before. Um, but, you know, just a lot of, like, moving resources around, a lot of, like, sort of building up, like, you know, like, extra ways to make points. So, like, I've got enough of this resource, so I'm going to make a statue this turn. I've got enough of this resource, so I'm... I don't know, going to make a medal this turn or whatever, which is worth points. So just, like, lots of different ways to try to, like, min-max your score, uh, you know, according to the sort of resources that you're strongest in. Yeah. Um, and and it, it, it was neat. Um, if somebody said, this is my favorite game, Kyle, would you play this game with me today? I would say, yeah, absolutely. That sure. was It was a decent time. Yeah. If somebody said, hey, Kyle, do you want to come spend $50 on this Euro game? I'd say, I don't think I need that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it was a fine game. I, I had a good time playing it. Like, I, I can yeah. see myself playing it in the future, but um, I don't think it was distinct enough from a bunch of other games that I, I really felt like I would need it. It had really vibrant art and color and everything. Yeah, it was a great production. Um, like, really look, looked really nice. But the thing for me was that it looked a lot to me, like, with the font and the way that it was all sort of, like, the, the design and everything. It just looked so much like it was part of some sort of, like, Seven Wonders family of games or something like that. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it was. No, um, I don't think so either. It's not even from the same publisher or anything. No. But it just looked so much like Seven Wonders to me that I was like, this looks like Seven Wonders. I've got Seven Wonders. And then my brain's just like, we don't need this. We've got Seven Wonders. <laughs> even though they're not they're really not the same, same game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but somehow my brain just tricks me into thinking, like, you've got this already. You know, like, yeah. don't worry about it, buddy. I might be interested in playing, like, a full game because we only yeah. played one round. Yeah, I would totally play it again. Um, Maybe playing a full game would, like, you know, sort of expose its secrets to us and we would unravel <laughs> its mysteries and then decide whether or not it really does, uh, whether it really does reveal itself as a Euro that has a distinctive identity that would make it like you know worth uh you know like owning in addition to the other many euros and you know sort of like resource building engine games that we already have right Um, yeah but yeah so that was hedera yeah so shortly after that uh we tried an updated version of dragon dice which uh, is a game i think from the late 80s i think you said 90s it might have been the early 90s yeah like early 90s as we were playing i definitely remembered actually having a set when i was a kid yeah yeah but when I was a kid, I wasn't really able to figure out, like, how the rules worked. That's kind of how I felt yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by the end, I was kind of getting it. Well, we had a guy just being like, okay, so that's worth four That's worth four shields. That's worth four attack and everything. Because, like, there's three different sizes of dice. And the dice, the size of the dice, like, can correspond to the number of things that they are doing based on what shows up on the die face when you roll the dice. And there's, like, umpteen different symbols. Oh, my God. There's and so many symbols. some of them symbols. are kind of similar. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, he was like, I was like in melee combat with you, and my um my ranged attacks were these like straight lines. My my melee attacks were straight lines with tiny little jaggy sides to yeah, them that I couldn't right, see yeah. from where I was sitting. <laughs> and so he kept saying like, oh, you got three attacks. And I'm like, that looks like just a bunch of three ranged and I was going for melee, so it shouldn't count. But then right. I look, look, took a look closer, I'm like, oh my god. For real? This is this is the tiny little distinctive mark that I'm looking for to tell, tell the difference at, you know, like a glance, like how right, many marks yeah. I got. And some of, the, some of them are sort of distinctive. So like if you roll like a, you're, you play a, you play a set of dice that corresponds to like a race. And they all have like distinctive symbols for the for themselves, but like sometimes it's like you need to roll a shield, <laughs> and you roll this dice, and you may very well get a shield, but you don't know what your they don't look like shields. Well, yeah, your, what your faction's shields look like? Yeah, because like, they're why all isn't different. It just a shield? And he even told us that like they're all for like artistic touches, and even within the same race or like faction or whatever, there will be like differences between the shield on this die and the shield on that die, just so that they could be like art- artistically creative with it. You right. Know? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's great for like you know artistic creativity, but it's terrible for like you know playability. <laughs> so that was the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the game itself was fine. It's, um, I mean, it plays a little bit like an older game. It does. So it's, it, essentially, there's like a, a battlefield, there's three lanes on it, and you're basically doing like a tug of war between the two sides of that lane Yeah. Uh, to uh, control the field, I guess. There's you a, maneuver. Yeah, there's a dice in the, uh, a die, a die in the middle that uh, it's a eight-sided die, and if your side gets it to eight then you win that lane, and then if you get two out of the three lanes, you win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And we went, like, a half hour without moving any of those dice, and he said that it was the only time in his life he'd ever seen that happen. (laughs) So we happened to just have, like, the most boring game of this game ever because we just made no progress until Jason finally obliterated my armies, and we were like, okay, so he's going to win. Yeah. Like, you don't win by obliterating the armies, but when I had no army there to oppose you, it's just a matter of time before you'd be able to rotate the dice and, and own the lanes at that point. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than that, the, sort of mechanically, it's like you roll dice and see what you get. Like, yep. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, like which I can appreciate. Like I, I like I know. dice. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you know, I think that the, the strategy also is with like deciding like what kind of dice do you have, what kind of faces do they have, and how does that relate to the the faces of the dice on the other side, right? Right. Yeah. Like where does my strength lie? Because also when you when you rotate the die after maneuvering, you can change it from like you know a melee battle to a ranged battle. Yeah. And so if you're a more melee or if you're a more like you know ranged or magic race. Such I think mine were more. I than think yours. so. Yeah. Um, and we were in melee battle the whole time, so I kept rolling like no hits, and you kept rolling like lots of hits. Yeah. So the game could have changed if you would would have been able to, to maneuver, maneuver, right. and change the die. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where the strategy lies with this game, but at the same time, it's fully dice. Like this right. is just a dice mechanic game. Right. Uh, so there's you know obviously tons of randomness to it, and enough randomness that it really impacted our game in a way that surprised the guy that was demoing it to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day. I'm not going to go out and make a purchase, but if you're the kind of person that kind of like hungers for, you know, that sort of like fiddly nature, but like also sort of like, you know, uh, fun random nature of a lot of those earlier uh, games from like, you know, the 90s, those dice type games from them, you know, like this is something worth looking at. It didn't look terribly expensive. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So then I think we had lunch and then (laughs) (laughs) and then we went to uh, play Glorantha, the God's War. Yes, we did. We finally played Glorantha, the God's War. This is the follow up to Cthulhu Wars which was the first game we talked about on this podcast. Yeah, episode one. A game that we endorsed very heavily. Um, I think it's one of your favorite games. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this is the follow-up to that. It uses a lot of the same mechanics, 
Um, it just happens to be set in a different setting, and there's like a few new mechanics added to it, I think, to try to like balance it out a little bit more. Yeah. That's the idea, anyway. Yeah. Um, and our game went in a way that was uh, as unbalanced as anything we've ever played. Yeah, it was a pretty poor experience for for me, at least, and probably slightly less so for Phil. But <laughs> uh, he looked like he was having an okay time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, Phil's in the shower right now, by the way. Yeah, we'll probably do a full episode on the Gods of War. I yeah. really want to play it one more time I before know. you get out of here. Maybe I'll give it another shot. Because I feel like you got the worst possible experience you could have had with this game. <laughs> um, and I think it's a much better game than, than how it felt yesterday. But it was so one-sided where uh, like I just was able to run away with the game so early uh, with Chaos, which mechanically works the most different from all the other factions. Um, that it, it just it just did not work. I was like, I'm going to play Chaos because I don't know how this is going to work. I've never played a game with Chaos before. I want to see how it, how it goes. And because you guys had never played, <laughs> it went very well and, for you. Yeah, and didn't <laughs> yeah. know like anything about like what you should be where you should be putting your resources and your time. It just allowed me to like grow in power by like round three to the point where I could not be stopped. Yep, pretty yeah. much. So we need to try that again. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the minis? Uh, they were cool. <laughs> I mean, Peters and Games makes good minis. And, and just taking a look at the mechanics and the way that it, that it compares to, to Cthulhu Wars, what was your impression there? Just, just... Uh, it's pretty similar. Similar enough that, like, at least mechanically, uh, not in terms of strategy, but mechanically it was easy enough to pick up mm-hmm. if you knew how to play Cthulhu Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we're going to try, if we have the time, to fit another game in of that. It, it doesn't take... It doesn't take that long for a three-player game, so I, I think that we might have a, a chance to get that in either today or maybe Monday morning or something like that. So I'd be willing to give it a shot yeah. in, the, in the light of morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, sure. Um, okay, so then we played um, Era Medieval Age, the new Matt Leacock game. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's not really a it, 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 like you build you build a little town basically, yeah. <laughs> a medieval town. Yeah. So everybody gets an individual player board, and you get a starting set of um, of pieces. Uh, everybody gets the same pieces to create your initial little settlement or whatever. Each one's like a building, so like you yeah. get like you know a longhouse and you know and like a, a farm keep and a, you know some walls and stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you the, the, you get a set of dice um, that are color coded to the buildings that you that you have. Yeah. And everybody starts with the same ones. Um, and the dice have different abilities depending on who. So, like, anything that's, like, yellow essentially is going to be some kind of peasant thing. And those are usually, like, resource gathering dice. And then the gray ones are nobles, which are usually, like, military strength. Um, and then there's some other ones, like, white for clergy and blue for, like, prominent citizens. Um, burgers, as they're called. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and as you put more buildings in, you'll get more dice and uh, and 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 so on. Um, but you also have to uh, spend more resources to feed them because the, each die is like a citizen in your in your town. Yes, yeah, so you've got to have at least as much food as you have dice in your pool. Yeah. So um, every round, you basically you roll your dice. Uh, there's a mechanic where you can uh, move them around uh, a, a little bit, and you get to roll them three times. Um, if there's anything you initially roll that you like don't like, you can re-roll any number of them, um, with the exception of dice dice that have a a skull on them, because those count towards a disaster phase, which happens later. So then you collect all the resources that you get from that and any of the buildings that you have in your in your town already. Um, then you do the disasters. I think it's you do the disasters then. Yes, yeah, you do. Yeah. Yep. Um, which can be anything from 
essentially like some of them affect your neighbors more than you and some of them like affect you and you acquire disaster points which are uh, essentially negative points at the end of the game I created a city that was basically just a cesspool of play. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of dictates like how how well you want to or how you want to build your city because basically cluster like buildings that are really close together are like hotbeds of disease essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, you're playing Tetris with this game too. Like each one has like little pegs on the bottom, so you're like slotting them into this little pegboard, um, but they all have different shapes. So it, it yeah. feels very much like one of those games where you're playing with tetronomos or something like that in order to make the city look. Uh, so I'm like, I'm going to make it look the way I want it to look. You know, this is sort of like how some people play something like patchwork or whatever. Right. And then yeah. you're not really thinking about the fact that, Oh, now if I do roll two skulls or three skulls or whatever it is, I'm going to have like five buildings clustered together for creating a cesspool of plague. Um, <laughs> but you know, at the same time you can easily wall them in then, which protects them from other things that could potentially attack them. So there's right, sort of yeah. like a give and take in, in how you design the city. Um, but that, part was really fun like you know like deciding where i want to put it slotting it in yeah. it's a very tactile game like the pieces have a great little feel to them um the plastic is really nice the models are really nice yeah it's a great looking game <clears throat> i wasn't expecting it to be a dice game i didn't realize that looking at you know like the sort of preview pictures of the game and everything yeah. um so i was a little surprised that it was mostly dice mechanics like you know yeah. sort of dice driven yeah um but and, and it's one of those games where like you know you get to roll uh, if you didn't, you don't like what you got, you're rolling again. If you don't like what you got, you roll again, right? Yeah. And and so like you're, it's a sort of like you know push your luck sort of mechanism, which I think is actually pretty fun. Like yeah. that's one of the things that I like in gaming. It's one of the mechanics that yeah. I like. It's so, like here I rolled a die and he gave me like one stone, but I really wanted some more wood, so yeah. maybe I'll like take that one. Yeah. And so even when I'm just creating a cesspool of plague every turn, and I'm just like watching my disaster track go all the way to the maximum number, um, I was still having a pretty fun time just because I think that that, that particular mechanic is fun, right? Like yeah. you know, like it's there's a little bit of luck in Involved, a little bit of strategy. It's you know, like push your luck. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Um, and and I dig that. So and, you know, uh, the final phase of the round is getting to extort your neighbors. So yes, that's always fun too. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it wasn't as fun as like if there was like more. It's basically just like if you have more of this resource than you know another guy, you can say, hey, give me a, give me one of your resources, and, yeah. and I want that one. Yeah. Like I was expecting when you said extort your neighbors, I was expecting something a little bit more in depth. You know, like some sort of negotiation type oh, mechanic yeah. or something like that. Like um, I'm gonna shake you down. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, which would have been cool, but. But at the same time, it wouldn't have really fit mechanically or with the rest of the like, game, maybe yeah. thematically, but not mechanically with how the game works. So, yeah. so it makes sense that it works the way that it does. I was just a little like, oh, that's all it is. Um, but still, it was fine. Yeah. So, Era uh, by Matt Leacock, a uh, pretty fun game. Like, yeah. very great, excellent uh, production quality. Yeah, it looks great. It's a, it's a really <laughs> uh, tactile game. Yeah, yeah, I love playing with the pieces. All right, so what do we do next? Um, um, oh, Planet Apocalypse. Planet Apocalypse, another Sandy Peterson game. The yeah. same people that did God's War. Yeah. Um, so Planet Apocalypse is essentially like a... Uh, one it, lane it's MOBA? It's a one lane MOBA, yeah. Yeah. Um, where Tower defense? Kind of. So you, you start as a, essentially <clears throat> like a, a, a great demon lord is trying to basically invade your city. He's a wall. The, the one we played against. Wasn't, he was not a wall. He had a wall. He's in a wall. He's, he's part breaking, of he's a wall. He's busting through a wall. Okay, his mini is a giant wall with like a couple of claws and a mouth poking through. <laughs> um, perhaps was not the best choice to like sort of make an impression about the the, the evilness of these things. But um, anyway, so and you play as a bunch of uh, like ragtag survivors. Like they're basically like. <laughs> People that have, like, cobbled together. One dude, his mini literally was wearing a split-down-the-middle traffic, traffic cone, cone on his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 
you get the impression that they're they've definitely been through some stuff. And it, it looks like I don't know, like Mad Max, but like filtered through I don't know, like Ren and Stimpy or something like that. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Um, you know, so they're all wearing like junk and piecing together stuff. Um, and then the 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 demon gets is on the other end of the lane, and there are several areas in between them. Uh, every time you enter a new area, like you, you demons spawn essentially, um, according to a set of dice that you roll, um, and you get more dice added to that pool as the the stakes go up. <clears throat> so more demons will keep spawning. There's a huge escalation in terms of well, there should be a huge escalation in terms of what you're facing. Yeah, I mean there is when somebody walks into the the space with the the the, the demon, right? The, yeah. the Baphomet or whatever we were we were fighting the wall. The wall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was that was a complete nightmare. <laughs> it was a surprise. We didn't yeah, know what was, was coming. Surprise. And the guy that was running the game said, "Hey, there's these are the these are the reasons why you would want to do this right now." When I was considering running up there and fighting the wall, right? Yeah. And and he kind of sold it to me in a sense of like, "This is not a bad idea." And then I ran in there and was like, "Oh, but I didn't tell you <laughs> that, that all of these other like demons are going to spawn." Demons. Yeah. And <laughs> even though you get to take a shot after he, the wall takes a shot, then all of the other demons go. And so I was guaranteed to die <laughs> um yeah so that was perhaps not the best uh, the best decision but um mm. it's it, it's interesting so these waves of demons just keep coming and it's, uh they, and they range in difficulty from like cannon fodder to the wall yeah <laughs> and um you know every time you kill one you get a resource called courage which you can then spend to uh, upgrade or you know purchase uh, new abilities or unlock new abilities. You can use them to boost other people's attacks. Yep. Um, heal. Yeah. Heal up. Uh, and so you kind of you really have to work as a team to get this to to function. It's well. very teamwork focused. Yeah. 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 Um, it was at least from our impression of it, it was like a fairly difficult game. And the, the guy running the game told us like, it's, it's a really hard game. I mean, I think hard undersells it. Like to me, it feels like one of those games that's intentionally unfair, right? Where it's creating like <laughs> it's an like intentional mountain. Yeah. Like yeah. this intentional mountain to climb where you're never going to solve the game. You know, yeah. like the only way you're ever going to beat it is by, uh, maximizing the amount of like teamwork and min maxing that you can do. And then getting really lucky on some dice rolls. Yeah. It felt like one of those types of games. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, you know, that's it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole ream of like stuff to, that goes into this game, but you know that said, I I didn't I didn't not enjoy it. I didn't not enjoy it either. Even when I went up and punched the wall, put a tiny little dent in it, it and then it was awesome. immediately just like smashed <laughs> into pulp. It was kind of awesome that you did that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a normal game, I, if you end up dying, you can come back as one of the unused heroes. But yeah. we sort of crammed more players into this demo than the game supports. So I ended up being eliminated from the game yeah, for like the last thirty minutes or so. Dead, yeah. yeah. Uh, which maybe, like, you know, I probably would have gotten, like, you know, the, the sixth character or whatever and been able to play that had yeah. we not had uh, more people than we were supposed to be playing with. But, yeah, as it was, I just kind of sat there and uh, thought about my actions for a little while. <laughs> you thought about what you had done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I had a, I think I had a decent time playing it. I actually think I would try it again. Um, I'm not dying to try it again, but if somebody yeah. really wanted to force it on me, I'd be all right with it. Yeah. Um, and as with, you know any other Peterson game like the, the minis looked the minis great. looked amazing yeah, yeah. That, that was the thing that definitely stood out was the minis look phenomenal yeah 
Yeah. So it's, it has impressive uh, table presence. Yeah. So that's Planet <laughs> Apocalypse. Yep. And then the final game we played yesterday was Cloudspire. Cloudspire! <laughs> this is the new Chip Theory Games game that yeah. was just released here at Gen Con. This is the one that I've been had my eye on for like a year since they put it on Kickstarter last October. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to purchase it through the Kickstarter because I wanted something to go after when I got here at Gen Con. And I did. And I won! <laughs> and you won! I won Gen Con. I got Cloudspire. <laughs> uh, so I read the rulebook last night. We threw it down. Uh, pretty close to like 12 30 1 a.m i guess we were done at like 1 30 so we started probably started at like, like 11 11 45 or so it was not that early well we left here at like 10 30 so uh, no you got back at 10 30 so we didn't leave until like 10 45 or 11 oh. or something but oh. anyway we, we we started the game very late and it took a while to set up it took a while for us to kind of like digest re-digest the rules that yeah. i had just read entire in its entirety um because it's it's a pretty hefty rule set um there's a lot going on in this game so cloud spire is uh, very much like a representation of a video game MOBA. So like Dota 2, so like Heroes of the Storm, League of Legends, where you've got like a fortress, and then you've got a bunch of little minions that just kind of like go on autopilot outside from that fortress to like whoever you want to go and attack, basically. Um, and in the meantime, you've also got some like sort of powered up heroes that you can send out one to two at a time. And you can sort of like, you know, uh, move them around however you want, but the minions just follow a path and go towards whichever fortress you decided for that round you're going to attack. Um, you get to choose what they're going to attack when they stop, and there's multiple things to attack, but they just continue to go, you know, like down that path. Um, and you can do all kinds of upgrading in the game, like there's ways to upgrade each individual unit, there's ways to like, you know, buy gear or, you know, mercenaries or new towers from the market. You yeah, also there's put, like a tower defense yeah, element. Yeah, there's like a whole tower defense element where you can uh, control these little spots on the map where you can build towers that have like sort of like ranged attacks and like special abilities and things like that. So those you can upgrade. You have all kinds of like different upgrade trees, like tech tree type upgrades in your fortress that can affect your entire uh, race or faction or whatever, as well as like you know give you new mechanics. Like you know, like it gave us like some of us were getting dice that we had to roll in order to do certain things. Um, so there's a lot going on in this game. Yeah, there's yeah. It's intense. <laughs> it is, it is. And we messed up so many rules. Yeah, yeah we did. We decided we were going to play a short game, so we are going to go three rounds, but like after having to spend a bunch of time setting the game up, figuring out what was what, we didn't know like what... We had to like figure out when we're... We had to figure out what chips or dice or whatever the rules were referencing when we were looking at the rules we spent a lot of time just like getting started with this game and so like you know I, we decided oh let's just play two rounds then yeah. we were towards the end of the second round we were just like okay we screwed up some really big things yeah. <laughs> we're gonna need to like you know start over at some point and try this again before we can really pass like final judgment on it but what we saw what did you think jason what we saw i think was pretty good um it, you know i uh, it's kind of hard to gauge because sometimes i uh, base my print uh, in opinion of how well the game runs like on how well i did yes you do um <laughs> and it, we i mean i think all of us didn't do great <laughs> yeah everybody was just kind of failing in multiple ways yeah for but a while. i think mechanically uh it's it's complex but easy <laughs> like it's easy to play but complex to sort of play well i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so like like i had you can you can adjust the terrain with these little like uh three hex pieces right yeah i really didn't really understand that part <laughs> i was like why would i want to do this well i got i, I got a thing i had a, a player a character that just got to do that and so i did it and then I realized, because it was like, it, it created a wider path for you guys close to my base. That just allowed you to go around the tower that I'd set yeah. up and not get attacked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, really shot myself in the foot there. 
Um, so yeah, you, I, I think that this is a game that after you've played it once or twice, you're going to know exactly how to create those choke points and, and set up those towers yeah. so that they really do a good job of... Because once you got close to the tower that I had on my wall, it was just mowing your guys down and yeah. you're just like, you know, like like falling up and just like dying, you know. I mean, like which is good time, because, so. I mean, I still got a few hits in, but your did, fortress yeah. really only has like 10 health. And so you kind of, if we extrapolated that and said that was like, you know, the mid part of turn two and this game usually goes four waves, right? Yeah. One of those fortresses was going to fall wave oh, three. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I was probably, down to like eight and yeah. I think you were down to like six. Maybe. Yeah. And and definitely by wave four, we're going to see like this game ending with two fortresses dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it was, it really did feel like a MOBA where, like, early on, all of our units just kind of get wiped out before they even make it to their, their to the, the place that they want to yeah. get to. Round two, people were making it to where they wanted to get, you know, yeah. and and there was like actual fighting going on. Now that it still wasn't enough to like, you know, overcome the defenses, but that's how a MOBA works. Yeah, is you you get there mid game and you start chipping away a little bit, and you know you're not going to win. 20 mm-hmm. minutes into a game, yeah. of, you know, uh, 20 minutes into a game of Heroes of the Storm or Dota 2 or whatever, but you you start to see that progress work, yeah. right? And and the other people know that there's ways that they can fight back if they make the right choices, right? But there's no guarantee, yeah. And and you know that there's going to be a massive escalation in, in round three and round four, which you know the game is designed was. to do. Yeah. yeah, like my early game was not great. Like my my early game minions were sort of really 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 weak, but. In the second round, like, I, part of this was also I, like, probably understood a little bit more about how my faction was supposed to work. Um, but in the second round, I basically had a bunch of minions that could spawn other minions. Yeah, that um, was intense. Yeah, <laughs> and it was really useful um, because the minions that I had weren't particularly strong. Um, but they, if I could overcome with numbers, then, mm-hmm. you know, that, that worked in my favor. Yeah. Um, I you know it's a chip theory games game so it's pretty pricey. Um, I think like the base game is like one hundred and thirty dollars, uh, but it's one of those like very 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 boutique, uh, high 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 production quality games. Neoprene mats. Neoprene mats. Um, nice like you know sort of like heat transferred chips with like you know extremely good art on them. Like really, really great good weight hand, to yeah. them. Heft. Um, and that's like those are the main pieces that you're playing with in the game. Like really nice uh, like heat transferred image dice that you use just like in Too Many Bones. Um, and, you know, like like the nice PVC cards and everything. So, like, you know, it's got great inserts inside for keeping everything in a really nice condition. Um, it, it is definitely, like, a premium product if you're into the gaming hobby. But it looks to me like something I am very excited to play. It comes with, uh, you know, like, we played with just, like, the, the, the standard competitive rule set. But it also comes with, like, spiral-bound books full of uh, scenarios for co-op play, solo play. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to dig into this further. If we happen to have the time to play this game again before you leave, I'd be super excited to do it. Um, but if we don't, I'm gonna, you know, definitely dig into it more on my own with the solo rules, maybe the co-op rules with my wife, and then you know I'll have more to talk about later if we want to bring it back up on the podcast later on. Cool. But, um, it looks great. It uh, it's beautiful and it just it's it looks really really interesting. I can't wait to like play it and get it right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anything right. else we want to talk about? Uh, no, I think that was all we did yesterday. Oh, I went to the gamer gathering yesterday. Uh huh. Um, gay, G-A-Y-M-E-R. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I, I met a cool, a lot of cool people from all over the, the realm. <laughs> yep. Uh, I had a drink, which I usually don't do, but, mm-hmm. uh, that was nice. Um, and we hung out and we chatted and we, uh, talked about games. <laughs> and, yep. And in the meantime, uh, Phil and I played, uh, unmatched again. <laughs> this time it was uh, Bigfoot versus uh, 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 Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Yeah. Yep. Robin Hood won. Robin Hood kicked my butt. Sasquatch had to take a knee. So 
But uh, that remains a fun game. It's a fun, quick little time. I, I, I kind of want to play more of it. Unmatched. It's yeah. still fun. I'm kind of regretting not getting more characters. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that was day two. Uh, we're on to day three here uh, shortly. We're going to be going to see uh, Starling Games, right? Yeah. The makers of Everdell. Yep. And we're going to, we've got a couple of, we're going to play Blood uh, on the Clock Blood Tower Clock today. Blood on the Clock Tower, Red Alert, Tyrants of the Underdark, and you have an appointment with Hoppa. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm going to talk about the Kitty Games. <laughs> I already bought one. I, I probably didn't even need that appointment. I just bought one. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it'll be a good chance to talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for listening to Limited Play Times Gen Con coverage, everybody. We will see you tomorrow with Day 3 coverage. <laughs> Later. Thanks for listening. Bye.